Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrienne Delgado, and in this podcast, you will get practical nutrition and health tips for both you and your entire family. I am a registered dietitian. I'll give you step-by-step plans to reach your goals, easy tips to stay motivated, and my favorite recipes that I know you will enjoy too. Nutrition and health doesn't have to be boring or grueling. Let's enjoy the journey while we strive to reach the destination together. So grab your water bottle and notebook because it's time to get started. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. I hope you had a great week. As I'm taping this episode, we are still in a form of quarantine from COVID-19. And I'm hoping that your week was a little bit more eventful and exciting than mine. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like every week looks the same. Um, A couple of my girlfriends and I like to jump on a Zoom call every Monday morning just to check in with each other. Actually, my one good friend is living in the UK right now. And so, you know, we just love to see each other. We love to get together. Obviously, geography is making that a little tougher with my one friend. Um, But I have to say the Zoom calls that we have each week are sometimes painful. And when I say painful, I don't mean that I don't enjoy my friend's company and I, and I love seeing their faces each week, but because nothing's going on, we kind of just look at each other for the first 10 minutes, hoping that somebody has something to say, you know, did you do anything this week? Uh, no, kind of looked the same as last week. I don't know if any of you guys feel that way. Um, And hopefully by the time this episode airs, we will have moved forward and can be going out more. But, you know, every week just feels the same right now. Stay at home, cook dinner, don't go out, nothing's open. Yeah, it's kind of rough. So I'm hoping that you at least had some eventful week and that um, good things are happening to you. I thought for today's episode, I would share a story. Um, and I believe, I believe Ben was four when he told me about this great day he had at preschool. He came to me as soon as I picked him up at the door um, to his classroom. And he said, Mom, Mom, Miss Angie, she put chocolate into this black box and she pushed some buttons And after it beeped a few times, she took it out and the chocolate was melted. It was magical. He honestly, he was mesmerized. He could not believe that this magical black box could turn chocolate candy into a melted puddle. And now you may be confused as the listener because the year is not 1960. It was 2013. And of course, Ben is referring to a microwave, but since we don't own one of them in our family and in our home, he had no clue what to call that magical black box. We, we used to own a microwave. I want to say it was back in 2005 was the last time that I owned and operated a microwave. Um, we had one after we got married 
But then when I was pregnant with my son, Jake, somewhere along the way, my husband, Jim, heard that you shouldn't stand in front of a microwave pregnant. And so hearing that news, he decided, well, if you shouldn't stand in front of it, a microwave pregnant, nobody should stand in front of any microwave any time in their life. And so he made me promise him. He's like, Adrian, you cannot use this microwave. It's not good for the baby's health. Promise me you won't use it. And I, and I listened. I did um, while I was pregnant because I figured, you know, if there was any chance it could harm my baby. And, and Jake was my first baby. And of course, you are 10,000 times more cautious with your first baby than you are with any other baby you have afterwards. Um, but I listened to him. But after Jake was born, uh, I figured, well, not pregnant anymore. I can go back to using it. And um, But Jim had it in his head. No, nobody should be using this microwave. Please don't use it. So fast forward a couple months. Jake is now eating solid food. Um, I know that, you know, babies are more apt to try food when it's a little bit warm versus really cold. And so I, like a very good wife, I, what I decided to do was I was going to heat a mug up with water and I was going to put the baby food in a small dish and use the warmth from the water in the cup to heat up the baby food in the dish. Basically, I was making a makeshift double broiler and I was heating the food up that way. But I did use the microwave to heat up the water in the cup because let's be honest, like when the baby is hungry and wants to eat, you need to do things quickly. And besides, Jim wasn't home. He didn't know. He didn't know what I was doing. And so this was my routine. I was still honoring his wishes and not cooking the food in the microwave. Um, But I basically would heat the water. The water would heat the cup with the baby food in it and all was good. And I made sure I never, ever used the microwave when he was home because that was just asking for trouble. And so one day at lunch, I was doing my thing, heating up the water in the mug, and guess who walked in the door? Mm-hmm. That's right. Jim decided to surprise me and came home for lunch. And of course, I did not have time to turn the microwave off because I wasn't expecting him. And when he walked in the door, he was so angry at me. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, listen, I am not heating up the food. I am heating up the water to heat up the food. And as soon as I push the buttons, I run out of the room, which may or may not have been true. But anyway, the point was I was trying to stand my ground because my goodness, Like, you need to give me something here. I need to make things easy on myself. Having a baby is hard. I didn't realize, though, having multiple babies is harder. But at the time, having a baby was hard. And taking care of this little kid was extremely hard. So I needed to take shortcuts where I could. So Jim decides that he's not having any of this. And he literally walks over to the microwave. He opens the door, takes the mug out unplugs the microwave and proceeds to throw the microwave out on the front yard. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Why would you do something like that? Jim, you have got to go back out on that front yard right now and pick up the microwave because we are not those people that have appliances in our front yard. We are not those people. We are people that have fire trucks come to our house, but we are not people that have appliances in our front yard. And he went out and he picked it up, but he threw it away. And that was the day the microwave left the premises, never to return. Like literally 15, almost 16 years ago, it has been since I 
have owned a microwave. And so some of you may be thinking, oh my goodness, how do you live without a microwave? But honestly, you kind of get used to it. Um, I think I told you guys, I shared with you before, we live in my um, uh, Jim's grandparents' farmhouse. So it's kind of like going back in time. You know, I'm I'm in this old farmhouse. Um, I have lots of kids. I'm cooking and reheating everything on the stove. It kind of makes me feel connected to his grandmother in some odd way. Like, I'm sure this is how she used to do things. But honestly, when you reheat things on the stove, it doesn't take that much longer. It's just you don't have the convenience of it taking 30 or 45 seconds. It might take three or four minutes. It's not a big deal. But it's also a way to slow down. And that's what I really want to talk about today, the art of slowing down. Because I'm sure your town looks exactly like my town. There is a sort of badge of honor for the busier you are, if that makes sense, right? You know, when moms get together and it's like, oh, what are your kids involved in? And if you just say one thing, they're like, oh, yeah, my kid goes to like four different events every single night of the week. And you're like, oh, maybe I should get my kids involved in more stuff. Maybe my kid needs to be involved in music and dance and sports and art and, 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 right? You start to feel like, well, I don't want my kid to be left behind. And so we create this busyness and we're running around like crazy people and we're stressed out. We're not eating well. We're not sleeping. It's terrible, If I have to say one good thing that has come out of this pandemic, it is it has forced everyone to slow down because you have nowhere to go. There is nothing to do. Nothing is open. Right. And so this COVID-19 thing actually has been such a blessing to so many people because it has forced them to slow down. It has forced them to be present with their family. It has forced them to pay attention and listen to their kids. It has made people cook at home. It is not, it is, what is the word I want to say? It's not uncommon for clients to come into my office and tell me that they're eating out three, four times a week just for dinner. And then they're eating out every day for lunch and stopping at Wawa um, for breakfast. Like it is not uncommon because nobody has time. The whole point of the microwave was to save people time. But instead of giving people more time, all people have done is figure out how to fill up that space with more things. Instead of giving them more time to sit down and to relax, now they've figured out, well, since this is only going to take 30 seconds, I can fill up this time with more busyness. And when it comes to your health, busyness and health do not go together. They don't, they don't do, busyness does not do well for our physical health. Busyness does, busyness does not do well for our mental health. The two do not belong together. And so one of the things I want to challenge you with is how can you slow down when it comes to cooking and how can you slow down when it comes to eating? These are probably the two biggest areas that speed affect our health negatively. So let's talk about cooking for a little bit because a lot of us rely on quick, easy meals. I always have to laugh because it never, 
<laughs> never fails. I will be meeting with a client who's over the age of 60, 65 and in retirement. And one of their questions is for me, can you please help me with quick, easy recipes? And I try not to laugh out loud, but if you know me personally, you know I have zero, I, I do not have a poker face. And so when somebody asks me a question and I just, I don't necessarily agree with their question, I may look at them a little bit oddly as I'm trying to, you know, keep my composure. But when a retired person asks me for a quick and easy recipe, I have to, you know, question why? Where are you going? What do you have to do that you need quick and easy? Why do you need 10 minute or less meal ideas? Unless they're continuing to work past retirement, but the people that are coming in are not, right? They may have a specific health concern, but then their follow-up question is always, I need quick, easy meal ideas. No, you don't. You can take your time. That's the art of retirement. That's the beauty of it. And so I think we're just so conditioned that everything needs to be quick, everything needs to be convenient, everything needs to be easy, that we don't even realize, oh my goodness, I do have time to make this. I don't necessarily need to rush. It's just our culture. And our culture has sold us on a huge lie, right? We think convenience. I mean, my goodness, fast food restaurants are open 24 hours. Uh, Grocery stores are open 24 hours a day. Um... When I grew up, and granted, I did grow up in Lancaster County, and things were a little behind in that area. However, grocery stores closed at 8 o'clock during the week, and they were not open on Sundays. We've lost that part. We've lost the part where we can slow down. Again, it's a badge of honor to be busy and to be involved in a million things. But something has to suffer when you're busy. And more times than not, it's your health. So to not be busy is countercultural and takes a lot of effort because it's easy to get sucked in. It's easy to add one more thing to your plate. One of my biggest things that I struggle with is I like to add, but I do not like to delete. And so Jim is always on my case. He's like, you can't keep adding stuff to your routine. You can't keep adding stuff to your work schedule. Something has to go. And he's absolutely right. Something has to be deleted if I want to, you know, be giving it my best to this additional project. Something has to be deleted and I refuse to let it be my health. And I am so humbled to admit this, but most of the time it's my family time. I love to work. I love to reach people. I love to think of new ideas and new programs. That lights me up. I get ridiculously excited about nutrition and how I can help more people. It's just how I'm wired. And I love my family to death. Oh my goodness. It has always been my dream to have a big family, to, to get married, to have kids, uh, to be there with my kids. I love them more than anything, but it's easy to push them aside in favor of doing what lights me up inside. And so I'll try to get up early and I'll try to work and try to get most of my work done before the kids get up. Um, But I'm still inevitably doing a couple more things. And then I go to work all day. And then I come home and things that I didn't get done at work, I want to do at night. But that's supposed to be family time. Something has to give. You can't do it all. But yet I want to. 
that busyness is not serving my family well. And it's not serving me well because then it puts me in constant conflict with mom guilt and work guilt. Probably one of the best things I ever heard one time when it comes to, you know, mom guilt and working was, you know, there is no such thing as being able to do it all. You're either killing it at work or you're killing it at home, but they're on opposite ends of the line and you can't be in two places at once. And so you can do things really great at work and you can do things really great at home. And sometimes you're kind of 50-50. You're not giving 100% in either one direction because you're trying to do both. And all of those options are okay. You just have to do what works best for you and your family. And I know for me, as much as I get, you know, as much as I light up with work, I know I need to tamper that down because my family needs me and I know that my time with them is going to be short. I mean, my goodness, my oldest is a freshman this year or will be a freshman this year. And that just baffles me how fast that time went. So let's bring it back a little bit because I kind of got off on a tangent. How can we slow down in the kitchen? right? Maybe we don't always look for 10 minute or less meals. Maybe one night a week, we don't run around like a crazy person to a million different events once, once the world opens up, that is. But maybe we strategically try to do something different and, and cook a longer meal one night a week. Just start with that. And maybe your one night a week is the weekend because that's all you can handle right now. That's okay. I want you to try to cook a meal from scratch. Guys, there is something so calming and soothing about the rhythmic chopping of vegetables. And every good and healthy recipe, especially dinner recipes, starts with chopping vegetables. There's always the prep phase and there's the heating phase. But let's focus on the prep work where we can really cook and and prepare healthy ingredients that are going to feed our bodies well. It's so important. The other place where we need to slow down is our eating speed. And I'll be honest with you, this is not one of my strengths. I struggle with this too. It takes 20 minutes for the signal from your stomach to reach your brain to tell you you are full. So if you are eating faster than 20 minutes, your brain does not have all the information it needs to make the call whether you should continue eating or not, right? A lot of times um, we're going into a meal starving because we haven't planned well or we didn't pack food, the appropriate amount of food with us where, for the day or where we're going. And so we come into the house, we're starving, and we gobble up our food, And we finish our plate and we're like, I'm still hungry. And so we go back and we fill up a second plate. And then somewhere halfway through our second plate, we start to feel full. Now, some people honor that and stop. Me, on the other hand, I'm just like, "Eh, I'm going to finish this because I grew up with the mentality, you finish your plate, right? My parents didn't do a disservice by teaching me that. They were just teaching me what they were told. You finish what's on your plate. And so even though those fullness cues were, were coming my way, it's easy to ignore them because I only have four or five more bites. And we shove those four or five, five more bites in, and then before we know it, we're stuffed. We're uncomfortable. If I would have just stopped after that first plate and allowed 20 minutes to elapse, I would have realized that I was perfectly content with that volume of food. 
for a lot of us, we're rushing around from one event to the next. And so we don't even wait for the fullness cues to come at us because we're shoving food down as fast as we can because we've got somewhere else to be. That's not okay. Again, your health is suffering because of your habits, but the root of the problem is the busyness. I recently taught a class and one of the things that I like to talk about is if you want abnormal results, you have to do abnormal things. It is normal to be overweight and obese. I believe it's 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. If you are, 70% is a big number, right? That is not like 20% of Americans. That's 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. I would say that being overweight or obese is normal. So if you want to be normal, then just keep doing what the majority of Americans are doing. Feeding themselves too quickly, relying on convenience foods, not cooking. Just do those things. If you want normal results and you will get them. But if you want abnormal results, if you want to, you know, be healthier and not be on, you know, medications because your eating habits are poor, if you want to feel your best and have energy, then you're going to have to do abnormal things. Abnormal things are maybe waking up early to exercise. Abnormal things are cooking your meals at home. Abnormal things are are doing the work that needs to be done over and over again consistently to get results. If you want abnormal results, you have to do abnormal behaviors. And in order to figure that out, just look around you and look at what the majority of people are doing. They're not doing the good stuff. They're not eating healthy. They're not moving their body. They're not sleeping. They are a product of our culture, which says, go, 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 go. Don't stop. Do more. And it's not serving us well. So guys, this is your challenge, okay? I want you to figure out areas where you can slow down, where you can maybe cook a meal from scratch or cook more at home. I also want you to think of ways you can slow down your eating speed. If you can't take 20 minutes to eat a meal, that is a problem. You need to rearrange your schedule. You need to... Um, have a conversation with a coworker. If you can't step away from your desk for 20 minutes to eat lunch, you're too busy. I'm just going to call you out and tell you how it is. I realize that not everybody has the luxury of, you know, telling their bosses that they have to take a 20 minute lunch break. Um, but there are things we can do to slow down. We don't have to multitask while we're eating lunch. We can actually just sit there and eat lunch. Remember we used to do that as kids? We would go into the cafeteria and we would just eat lunch and we would enjoy it and we would savor it and we would have a real, you know, for my kids, when I ask them what are their favorite subjects in school, it's gym class and lunch, right? Because it's relaxed, it's fun, right? We've taken the fun out of things because we're trying to speed them up. That's not how it works. So again, your challenges this week are to slow down, you know, maybe try to, Cook a meal without the microwave this week. Or see if you can not use it at all this week. Go big. And then your other, your other challenge is to see if you can slow down your eating speed. See if it can take you 20 minutes to finish a meal. All right, guys. Let's go into your recipe of the week. 
So I told you I want you to make something from scratch. And I'm going to start really easy. I was trying to think, okay, what could I teach you guys to cook? Do I want to do macaroni and cheese? Because that's something that typically people eat out of a box. But finding healthy mac and cheese recipes that don't take a very long time is a little challenging and maybe a little too much, you know, since we're still in the beginning episodes of this podcast. So we're going to start small and I'm going to get you a win right away. We're going to make salad dressing from scratch. And for this recipe, this is my balsamic dressing recipe because this, honestly, we make this all the time and it can be used in so many different dishes. It's going to be your go-to. And once you realize how simple and easy it is, you are going to be kicking yourself for not making your own salad dressing earlier. So for this recipe, you're going to need a quarter cup of balsamic vinegar, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, a half a teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of honey, a dash of black pepper, one to two cloves of garlic minced, and a half a cup of olive oil. All you're going to do is dump all those ingredients into a jar. I usually use a mason jar because then it has a lid with a screw top with it and I put all the ingredients in the mason jar and then I just go to town. I shake it until everything's all incorporated. That Dijon mustard is going to act as an emulsifier. So it's going to keep your oil and your vinegar from separating. And that is it. That is how simple a salad dressing is. There's no reason why you got to buy salad dressings at the store. They're usually loaded with sugar and salt and a bunch of ingredients you can't even pronounce. These are probably ingredients you have in your pantry right now. So I want you to make this and I want you to tell me if you enjoyed it. Comment or share this recipe or reach out to me uh, through either our Facebook or Instagram account. Let me know if you made this recipe and if you like it as much as our family does. All right, guys, I hope you have a fabulous week and I can't wait to see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at bodymetricshealth or on Facebook at bodymetrics health and wellness services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.